0: I'm Brian Teta, executive producer of The View. It's Tuesday, and I'm here with Alyssa Farah Griffin. This is Behind the Table.
1: Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Brian. Great to be back.
0: Great to have you back. This is fun. Um, we had a good uh, show today, I thought. I really like like the mix of topics and the vibe was fun in the studio. What about you?
1: Um, it was a good one. And it was one of those where there wasn't like a clear this is the big news story of the day. So you got to have a little bit more fun with the topics. You got roped in early. I didn't even see that coming. Oh, well, I never was... see like Joy pulling you in until it happens. I never do either. <laughs> and
0: today, so today we were talking about the Senate dress code. Mm-hmm. And I thought that and you had a, a good take on it. I thought you had a hard take on it. You feel like it's important to like maintain decorum basically.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, my perspective is this. Congress, especially the House, has become an absolute hot mess. We talk about it all the time. We've got these characters like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boeber. And frankly, there are some on the left, who who kind of freak me out. But we should have some basic standards. I, I believe both dress for the job you want, but also honor the institution. This is a place where the Civil Rights Act was passed. This is a place where, you know, the most sweeping reforms in this country are done. And people like Lincoln walk those floors. So um, I think it's more to me about what it means to people because I got to see that What giving tours, you know, people would dress up to sure. show up for it. Also, I was like a junior Capitol Hill staffer and I was so broke. Those jobs do not pay very well. But I remember I was like, I'm always going to make sure I, you know, buy a nice J. Crew blazer so that I look the part and that I look like I'm showing respect to the institution. So I don't know. I the, Fetterman's such an interesting political figure. He brings something that I don't see a lot of in our politics, and I think that's good, but I would like to personally see him. Just put on a blazer.
0: So, when I you mentioned I got called into this, and I never know when that's going to happen either, and usually I'll try to have a retort or something, but it was funny because it started, I didn't want to take us further off track because everyone hadn't <laughs> weighed in yet, so I just kind of nodded, but they... uh Joy started complimenting me, saying, like, oh, Brian dresses up, and we're, And then it turned, as it always does, and suddenly they were, yeah.
1: But I thought about that, because it hadn't <laughs> occurred to me, like, you do always wear a suit, but that would be weird. If you showed up in, like, a t-shirt and jeans, I do think we would roast you more. So <laughs> and my, we roast you a lot already.
0: You do. My entire <laughs> career, even when I was a production assistant, I wore a suit to work, mm-hmm. Um, and I got teased by the host of the show I was working on, but the executive producer called me aside and said, I, I like it, keep doing it, well, and... Here's the thing. Yeah.
1: I would always rather show up to something overdressed than underdressed. And I think if you're like a once in a generation talent, like a Whoopi, you can kind of do whatever you want. I, on the other hand, like if I was auditioning for the show and I had just rolled in in like sweatpants and a sweatshirt, you guys would be like, "What is going on with this girl?"
0: Whoopi's <laughs> the exception to every rule. Yeah, That's basically. The, you know, any rule you have. Oh, well, Whoopi. Yeah. Oh, Okay, that makes sense. But no, I, I've kind of come from that school too. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm. I have a whole staff here and everyone is professional. Mm-hmm. I don't have it, there's no dress code here, but I do think people should have like a baseline level of professionalism and they do. And I, I don't have it's never been an issue.
1: Oh, we need to do this topic sometime, but Gen Z thinks it's okay to wear like crop tops to work. And I just, I, I you know, I want to support it, but I just can't. Like, yeah. you can't, you, you just belly is for the weekend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> belly is for the weekend. Yes. All right. Um, the other big hot topic for the last two days Lauren Bobert in the theater. <laughs> Now, you and I have had conversations about this on the side. One angle we did not get to in the uh, show today was the fact that this was a first date.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm living for the story. It has everything. So this is what I want to know. You and I were talking about this. So did they start at Beetlejuice? Were there drinks beforehand? Was there dinner? I think we can safely assume there may have been alcohol involved. We don't know that. Don't but don't I mean, what? I've been on a lot of first dates. People have had successful ones, not successful ones, but how did it transpire that it was the first time they hung out and then they got to about second or third base, depending on how you define the bases, in a theater where there are people around at an early like showing? It's just, it's too much.
0: I've also seen Beetlejuice and and I (laughs) I don't know what about it (laughs) it leads. It's a great show.
1: Great show. what part of Beetlejuice really got you going is what I want to
0: know. (laughs) I'm fascinated by the entire thing. But, yeah, so the question for me is, if this is a first date, did they have dinner, really have a connection? Did they have the cocktails, like you said? Or is there any chance that they just met at the theater and they're just 10 minutes in and just the chemistry was off the charts? It's really...
1: <laughs> I mean, I almost respect it more if it's the latter, where it's so just too. like, this is such an animal attraction, I can't even stop myself. It may be a daytime showing of Beetlejuice, but, hell, we're going to go for it. Wow. Um, <laughs> but... The The latter tends to make more sense. I also then just love, I mean, this woman can't take accountability for anything, but she basically was like, oh, the, things went south because he's a Democrat. Oh, and then also, <laughs> can you imagine the anxiety the next morning if you're like, oh, no. I went on a first date, had a few too many. If I remember correctly, I was dragged out of the theater. Oh, no, I let him grope me. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> like,
0: and she knew there was at least a camera that she gave the finger to because she was doing that. Uh, it, it's the whole thing is just... So because of what I do for a living, my uh, immediate reaction is the person that is responsible for her in some way, how he has to deal with that in the morning (laughs) or she has to deal with that in the morning when she gets the call. So this happened. Her publicist. This happened last night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, this poor comms director who, again, is making what I made when I started on Capitol Hill, although you did agree to work for Lauren Boebert. So it kind of comes with the territory. But you get the email from, let's say it's Politico, like, oh, there's footage. Oh, how do you even approach your boss? (laughs) Like, hey, I, you know, you seems like your date, there might have been footage, and I just...
0: Listen, I've been here a long time. I've had some conversations that...
1: <laughs> Did I ever tell you? I was working for the Freedom Caucus um, when the Access Hollywood tape, we'll say, came out, and I had to call the members of the Freedom Caucus who had, like, media hits that day to brief them on what the tape entailed and what the response was going to be. So I called Jim Jordan in Ohio, um, and I'm like, hey, Congressman, so just so you know, he said, and we have bad reception, so he's like... She said, grab him by the what? Like, I had to <laughs> shout it, like, three times. And at the end, I was like, I need a new job. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, no, that's a that's a tough conversation. That's a tough
1: one to have with your middle-aged male boss. <laughs> How
0: did Jim Jordan react when you told him that?
1: I have to ask It you. was literally, I believe he said, yikes. And he was appearing with Pence in Ohio that day. <laughs> and then that was it. The line went silent. I think they ended up, if I recall, pulling, Pence appeared for the event. They didn't do media afterward. And you guys will remember, there was a period where the RNC was like, Should we drop this guy? Yeah. And then, of course, they realized that train was so far along, there was no way to do it. I remind folks, I did not vote for Donald Trump in 2016. Yeah. Um, I wrote in, but yeah.
0: I remember being here on the show and thinking, well, that's got to be it.
1: That it's got to yeah, be.
0: Yeah. Of and course. then here
1: we are seven years later, and it's always got to be it. and it never is. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, um, at some point, I don't think you've ever seen it, but it's worth going into the archives and watching the View Election Night special. Um,
1: oh, I've watched it. Oh, you have? Yeah. You've seen it. Okay. Yeah.
0: It's uh, Joy's <laughs> slow descent into madness throughout the hour is really, uh, through the several hours, is really something else. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Shopify. Ready to make the smartest choice for your business? Say hello to Shopify Did you know Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and supports global brands like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen? Join millions of successful entrepreneurs across 175 countries, backed by Shopify's extensive support and help resources. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Start your success story today. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com view Put it all in lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash view now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash view.
2: This is Sunny Hostin. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com/view. Just go to indeed.com/view right now and support our show. By saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash view. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need
3: Indeed. Step into the world of Hollywood like never before with Melissa Rivers Group Text Podcast. Melissa, renowned for her red carpet expertise and storytelling prowess, invites you to join her and her famous friends for hilarious and heartfelt conversations. From discussing the latest binge-worthy TV shows, navigating the highs and lows of life, and dissecting celebrity fashion, there is never a dull moment. With exclusive stories from special guests like Chelsea Handler, Cheryl Hines, your favorite reality stars, and deep dives into intriguing topics like the Where Is Wendy Williams documentary, this podcast offers an insider's look into the glitz and glam of Tinseltown. It's not just Melissa's podcast. It's a collective experience where you're invited to join the conversation. So if you've ever wanted to peek behind the Hollywood curtain, subscribe to Melissa River's group text podcast now on your favorite platform. Get ready for laughter, tears, gossip. In other words, unforgettable moments that'll keep you coming back for more. Don't miss out. This is one group text you won't want to exit.
0: So we had a really compelling guest today. We had ABC News' Matt Gutman on to talk about uh, anxiety and his book um, about panic attacks. And you gave up a really personal thing here. You said you had a panic attack that sent you to the ER. I mean, tell me about that. What happened?
1: Yeah, and I had actually started to write this in an email to our producer, Carly, about it last night. And I was like, no, it's his story. But I realized then in going through the questions and reading his book last night, it's actually good for people to hear that this is a pretty common thing that, like, high-functioning people can experience. But basically, for me, it was um, Jake Tapper of CNN is calling me right now. We'll get that name later. dropper. <laughs> Sorry, I <we> didn't <had> <laughs> name drop on the pod. I don't know if you've heard of him. But um, listen, so I was at the Department of Defense. It was early covid February of 2020. I had started to humor conversations about potentially de- being detailed to the White House to help with covid messaging. And I was just I was seeing projections of the number of lives we were going to lose. I was hearing of people I knew getting sick. I remember the Surgeon General had said on air we're going to experience a Pearl Harbor a day going forward, and as like a nine eleven a kid of nine eleven I was like holy smokes I couldn't even wrap myself around that loss of life, um, and I was I was with my husband we took a weekend away up in New Hampshire just to kind of unplug. And I started feeling short of breath. And then in my head, I was like, I have COVID. And at this point, there's so many unknowns. COVID felt like a death sentence at this point, pre-vaccine. And I basically kind of whooped myself up into like a full-blown panic attack. He took me to the hospital. It felt like my um, lungs were filling with fluid. I genuinely oh, scary. couldn't breathe. I did not know what was happening to me. And when I went into the the emergency room, they're like, you know, have you traveled? We saw. I was like, yeah, I was in Afghanistan a week ago. And a week before that, we were in like, Uzbekistan or something and like all over the world. And they're like, yeah, those are COVID hot. So, so we thought it was COVID related, but as soon as they, and this is what Matt says in his book, as soon as a doctor sees it, they know what it is. And they know the difference between this is a heart attack. I'd be way too young for that. This is something, it certainly wasn't COVID related. They gave me medicine. They monitored me. And within a half hour, it was all better. But it it, it was a lesson for me that I'd had minor versions of that before. I'd never had something that serious that I need to control my anxiety, my breathing, and my heart rate when I'm in scary circumstances. And it's you never necess- you don't necessarily know what will trigger it. Um, but I think it's just why mental health is as important as physical health, because no. they're interrelated.
0: No, it's a really good lesson. And I thought I thought his book was terrific and I mm-hmm. thought what he talked about today was so important. I have a like a baseline level of anxiety that the host liked to remark upon that I think is probably appropriate for someone who Runs a live television show, especially this one. Um, I'm not totally. prone to, to actual, you know, panic a, attacks, but you know, it's on a the baseline
1: table. level of anxiety. I think could be a very good thing in life. It's then monitoring it from going to something worse than that that you have to be careful about. I,
0: I find that like on a Friday night, it takes me a while to downshift from the work week to like being with my family and relaxing. It, it's usually like Saturday morning. I'm, I'm finally, finally back at yeah. calm, and then it starts to ramp up again around Saturday afternoon. Which really. <laughs> i should look into that probably
1: right to um, so get a good three hours on yeah, saturday you get a good morning. Three hours on saturday <laughs> that's
0: just delightful and then the rest of it is ramping up anxiety um the other thing we talked about today uh was a lighter hot topic it's about whether your spouse is your best friend and we didn't get a lot of time in this one but i know that you had some thoughts about this too so what were, were your takeaway
1: so listen your spouse is going to be your best friend by definition like they're going to see things, they're going to witness things that no one else in your life probably will. The sickest you've ever been, the most embarrassing thing you've ever done, you know, outrageous like freak outs that then you then have to apologize for. Justin deals with all those. Justin is definitely my best friend, but I also have my female best friend, Alex. And she, and A, no person, Sarah, I think, and I agree on this, no one can bear all of the anxiety of being my partner. Like, you need to kind of divvy up and, I think, have other friendships. No person can be your end-all be-all. It's also different things. Like, my husband's my biggest support system, but there's a certain, like, feminine wisdom that Alex has that he doesn't always have. (laughs) And I remember I was going through, like, not to go into all my spiraling periods I've had in my life, but I was going through a hard time after I resigned from the White House, Lost a lot of friends, was getting a lot of, you know, hit like, uh, you know, criticism in the media and sort of like really was thinking my career as I knew it was over. And in some ways it was. It was the closing of a certain door and then became opening of others. But I was in a really just down place. And my husband tried for weeks, like, cheer me up. Let's do this. Let's focus on this project. And he eventually reached out to Alex and he's like, this is an Alex, you know, conversation because she can give me sort of a wisdom and a strength that's different. And she... um is intuitive with me in a way that my husband always isn't always. So all all that to say, I think no person can bear everything for you. And like, it does kind of take a village.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and, and good for him for knowing he needed help. There. Right. I mean, that's yeah. a really good thing. I mean, there's also that part of it when it's family, they have to love you no matter what. So you kind of take everything with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, when, you know, you tell your daughter, oh, you're the prettiest girl in the world, <laughs> Well, you're my dad. You <laughs> yeah. have to say that. You and you know,
1: live with the person, so you can't piss them off that much. <laughs> I'll tell my wife. But yeah, I
0: think that's right. I, I think that um, and, and different friends fill different needs. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say I've been married 20 years now, so it's interesting. In the beginning, it was like, well, my wife's my best friend, but my friends that I grew up with, I've known them for so long, they know me better than anybody else. And now after 20 years, yeah. nobody knows me better
1: than No my wife. one knows you better than your spouse. Yeah, yeah good and the bad.
0: Um, <laughs> when you bring up your husband. Tell me how he reacted to the uh, whoopee pregnancy misannouncement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we, I, I, Sarah and I were joking. We need to start like a support group for the spouses of you hosts. Like sure. I, there was this look on Max's face because yesterday was Sarah's birthday <laughs> where he came in. And you could tell he like had to leave his law job for the day. <sighs> we like rallied the kids together, but he wanted to be there to support her. My husband's, you know, similar boat. And you also never know what your spouse is going to blurt out. Or in this case, someone blurt out about your spouse. I was actually nervous that he was going to be like, feel like too much of our public business was out there because I did share that we're like open to getting pregnant. Um, He thought it was hilarious. He was flattered by it. And he's like, this is an excuse to make a baby tonight there because we got to go. prove Whoopi right. So my husband clearly used it as a way to drag me to the bedroom.
0: Well, I, I appreciate him looking out for the show. I yes, think that's exactly. good. It'd be a good moment. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Justin. That's hysterical. And then and then his mom and, and grandmother were in the they audience. They
1: loved it. It's, it. So they're the... Um, there's definitely, I think, a generational disconnect on this because my mother-in-law, a couple years older than Whoopi, but she was like, "That's the nicest compliment someone could give you." But then, like the Gen Z staff are like, "You don't look pregnant." <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like somewhere in between.
0: Well, it was a moment. <laughs> that when, not just
1: be sp- ready if and when I get pregnant someday. We'll we'll have fun with it.
0: I'm I'm <laughs> excited for a lot of reasons. That's great. <laughs> uh, one of the things we talked about yesterday with Sarah was the fact that she didn't change her name when she got married and she's a Sarah Haynes forever. She didn't uh, go there. You have of course hyphenated your name. And um I was curious what made you decide to do that? Was it a, a hard decision? Was that definitely what you wanted to do?
1: So I knew two things. Um I knew I want to have the same name as my future kids. Mm-hmm. Not pregnant right now, disclaimer. <laughs> um so that was important to me to take Griffin, but I I got married, you know, a little later than I expected to in life. I was 30 and I was established in my career as Alyssa Farah. If I had just suddenly gone by Alyssa Griffin, I worried a lot of contacts, relationships, people wouldn't necessarily know who I was. Um, So I liked the idea of blending the two. I have noticed um like my kids will definitely just be Griffin but for me I liked also um we don't have any there are no boys on the Farah family so the Farah name actually is not going to be carried on I have I the same of, thing yeah. yeah I thought of ways of incorporating it as a middle name or something it's it's a it's a very common women's name um in in Lebanese culture so I thought it could be someone's middle name but all that to say it's funny I run into people who I can tell when in media circles what part of my career they knew me in like CNN's Phil Mattingly, we knew each other when we were, you know, young and working on the kid. And he always calls me Alyssa Farrah. Like it doesn't even occur to him that like he just doesn't know me as Alyssa Griffin. But then other people I've only known since being Alyssa Farrah Griffin don't even necessarily remember the Farrah part. So it's like it kind of it, it works both ways. But the big thing to me was same name as my kids, but then keeping my professional identity. I think it, I think it's important for women. Like I, I built my brand a lot of it before I knew my husband. And I want to hang on to that.
0: Yeah, I like. Uh, it's interesting because becoming a view host obviously raises your visibility a little bit. In a, I mean, not that you weren't before like the White House, it. <laughs> but it, it, it uh, having recently adopted the hyphenated name when you came here. I'm sure that's gonna stick
1: <laughs> yeah I de- definitely and i and i like it and also like it's keeping fair as kind of an homage to my lebanese background and like to yeah. the family name so i wanted to keep both
0: and it's a good uh, i like your monogram the afg is catching right? on i think that's pretty good um all right well listen always a pleasure to have you Thank here you with us and uh, tomorrow on the show joy behar will be here <laughs> any uh, questions for joy
1: Ooh, i don't have any good ones oh you know well I want to find where where I can watch old Joy stand-up. Because over the break, my husband and I watched, um, we watched Whoopi's stand-up, and now we've been quoting Fontaine back and forth. Oh, so you watched her off Broadway show. It's so funny. I was allowed to watch it when it came out, because it was like, we loved Whoopi, but it was it's a little edgy. I need to find some old Joy classics.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. It's funny, um, Joy's in some old commercials that are terrific. Mm -hmm. Well, as we found out, you were in a Hinge hinge commercial. Yeah, Yeah, so we're going to have to do something with all these. (laughs) Um, But, and then... uh, my earliest memories of Whoopi are when I was a kid, Comic Relief was a big deal yes. on HBO, and I also was not allowed yeah. to watch it. And it was Billy Crystal, Robin Williams, and Whoopi Goldberg. Um, Legends. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. But yeah, let's see if we can dig some, yeah. uh, some joy stuff up. That would be great. All right, thank you very much,
3: and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Step into the world of Hollywood like never before with Melissa Rivers' Group Text Podcast. Melissa, renowned for her red carpet expertise and storytelling prowess, invites you to join her and her famous friends for hilarious and heartfelt conversations. From discussing the latest binge-worthy TV shows, navigating the highs and lows of life, and dissecting celebrity fashion, there is never a dull moment. With exclusive stories from special guests like Chelsea Handler, Cheryl Hines, your favorite reality stars, and deep dives into intriguing topics like the Where is Wendy Williams documentary, this podcast offers an insider's look into the glitz and glam of Tinseltown. It's not just Melissa's podcast. It's a collective experience where you're invited to join the conversation. So if you've ever wanted to peek behind the Hollywood curtain, subscribe to Melissa Rivers' group text podcast, now on your favorite platform. Get ready for laughter, tears, gossip. In other words, unforgettable moments that'll keep you coming back for more. Don't miss out. This is one group text you won't want to exit.